Welcome back. I'm Jess. And I'm Regan. And this is You Pick, We Watch, the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendation. Today, we're talking about the 1985 film, The... Yeah, and it is our 20th episode. Oh, wow. I know. Where did time go? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Before you know it, we're going to be at episode 50 and then 100 and... I know. Probably be like two uh, weeks from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so The Stuff. The it's stuff. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure um, is something. It is something, and uh, I can't wait to get into it. But I have some, I have two pieces of news, and one I think you're really going to be into. Okay. All right. The first one is... Tom DeLong of Blink-182. You know him, right? Sure. Yeah, really? <laughs> no, I do. Okay. No, I, I know who Tom DeLong is. Um, he is making his directorial debut with a coming-of-age sci-fi movie titled Monsters of California. I did not expect that. Yeah. That's pretty I- cool. <laughs> I know that he's been super into aliens and stuff. Oh yeah, for, for a while. Um, so I'm kind of I am excited to kind of see where that goes. Um, but the one that I think you're going to be excited for is Robert Downey Jr. wants to build a Sherlock universe. <laughs> that is pretty cool. You're right. I'm pretty about that. Yep. Uh, I didn't read a lot into it. I just saw that he was talking about um, he wants to make it like the Marvel universe. Um, and who better than the guy that basically built Marvel in movie form? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I trust him doing that. I, I wonder what type of stories we're going to get coming out of that, you know, because I'm assuming some might not even involve Sherlock Holmes, but, you know, are set in that same world yeah i didn't know there was an extended universe to sherlock holmes so (laughs) i'm not so sure that there is but i just know that there's there's a bunch of stories and a bunch of characters that you could probably do like spin-off stuff with i just don't know if there's already like a written you know right conan doyle (laughs) mcu um benedict Cumberbatch is all is Watson, right? Is he, uh, in he that? no? He's Sherlock in the BBC series. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Jude Law is Watson. That's right. As you can see, I have not seen those movies. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> They're good. I've heard. I've heard. So, but now I can't see Robert Downey Jr. as anything other than Iron Man, Tony Stark. So that's we'll true. See. We'll see. Maybe if somebody suggests it, I'll actually watch it. <laughs> there you go. Right, do just a favor. Right into the podcast. Make us watch that movie. <laughs> yep. So, I have a really fun get to know you question too today. Okay. All right. What's something from your childhood that was marketed so much that you thought it was the most awesome thing ever, like the stuff is in the movie? <laughs> 
that is a great question because I really don't remember commercials from when I was growing up, except for when I see because I, I guess on YouTube people make like compilations of '90s commercials, and that that is very nostalgic. But I've retained very little of of that from growing up. But I will say that I thought anything involving Legos was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. That's cool. Lego definitely knows how to market. Oh, yeah. Um, especially back in the day. And actually, I was at the Galleria this weekend. Um, and yesterday, the Lego store in the Galleria had a line. Like, it was one of the only stores that had a line like that you had to wait to get in because <laughs> of social distancing and whatever. You can build your own mask. You can construct your own te- you know, six-foot pole to keep people away from you. Legos are yeah. great. Yeah. What was the? Do you remember any of the Lego sets you had from the nineties? No, I remember some Robin Hood stuff. Um, that's really the only thing that sticks out in my mind. I was super into like the books and movies and stuff about Robin Hood. That's so funny because I had the Robin Hood like treehouse set too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one that I can remember like actually having and building. Yeah. Um, well, that was. Told... Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I told my wife, I'm like, aren't you lucky that I haven't wanted to get back into Legos? <laughs> yeah, that was that was the only like complete set I remember having it having was like that treehouse fort thing, and then like the adjacent Robin Hood stuff. But I inherited a lot of my Legos from my older brother, so it was a hodgepodge of just all kinds of crap that i didn't know what went with what it's like the only ones i actually got were the like robin hood sets yeah that's i got all mine but that's the only one i can remember actually having um so but i'll I'll never forget two specific things about growing up with legos is how much fun it was to let your imagination run wild and how painful it was to step on one with a bare foot Yep. And I'm pretty sure that's why like 90% of 90s kids don't have their Legos anymore because <laughs> their parents were like, F this. <laughs> um, something from my childhood that I thought was awesome that I never got was Huffy Bikes and Skechers. Ooh. Okay. I, I would watch, I didn't have cable at my house, but when I went with my dad, I would watch Nickelodeon. And this was when, like, Nickelodeon was awesome, and it had, like, Wild and Crazy Kids, Nick Arcade, um, Double Dare, like, all the awesome, awesome shows. And then, like, Snick at Night, you know, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark, uh, Alex Mack, like, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, the prizes for the shows were always Huffy Bikes and Skechers always (laughs) and I'm like man I just want a Huffy bike so bad and I wanted Skechers so bad and I never got any of those as a kid but that's I really like vividly remember those prizes and like how cool you were with your Skechers and your Huffy bike now remind me (laughs) Huffy bikes those weren't like mountain bikes those were the smaller ones right like the lower set bikes yeah yeah Yeah. they were just like you know kid bikes that Nothing special about them. It was just the brand name. Mm-hmm. So, and didn't yeah. were those the ones with the pegs that you could have like a friend ride on too? 
Yeah. Those were yeah, you could, everywhere. You could get some, yeah. <laughs> oh, that God. was, I was, we were talking about this and how like the 90s, my wife and I were talking about how the 90s were just so colorful and so hyped up and so over the top and like rollerblading and skateboarding and biking. Those were just like cool things that happened. And I just thought of those commercials like all the time. <laughs> And those uh, scooters that I'm blanking on what the name is, they're like collapsible two-wheel little scooters that for some reason everyone had on my block. The Razors? Yeah. Oh, Razors. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit after my time. Um, I was I was driving by the time those were out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, you, you never forget when you when you kick yours a little too hard and the uh, bar you stand on comes around and hits your shins. You never forget yep. that. So that was like the uh, skip it. Do you remember skip oh it? Oh my or god, you... I do. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. yeah, that you would knock that into your ankle and <laughs> your day would be over. <laughs> It's funny because as an adult, just saying those words makes me feel that same pain like a phantom limb, you know? (laughs) Yep. Wow. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool because this movie is, uh, if and not anything, one giant ad, which I didn't really like get until the end because I was just so overwhelmed (laughs) with things that happened in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, so the overview is a delicious, mysterious goo that oozes from the earth is marketed as the newest dessert sensation, but the tasty treat rots more than teeth when the zombie-like snackers who only want to consume more of the strange substance at any cost begin infesting the world. Um, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That's right on the money. Yep. Um, was this the first time you've seen this, right? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Um, I know we watched it at similar times, so we were going back and <laughs> forth a bit, but, uh, I knew within the first 10 seconds that this was going to be a ride when the guy just starts eating bubbling white stuff from the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That It's like striking oil <laughs> oil, and then like putting your fingers in it and you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. It's my new favorite stuff. First of all. Like, I watched that, and I'm like, who does that? Who finds something out of the ground? And first of all, put your hand in something bubbling. Hmm. And second of all, goes, (laughs) I'm going to taste this. (laughs) It does set the tone rather well, though. You know, as soon as you see that, you're like, ah, I'm in for this type of movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, There were many times that I literally said out loud, what the heck, and laughed so much um before we get into stuff i really want to talk about some of these ridiculous scenes uh that that was in it just like starting from the top and like going through the movie because i've never seen so much in a movie that felt like it was just put there just to move the story along (laughs) i can't wait for this (laughs) so okay the bubbling the guy eating the bubbling stuff from the ground sure whatever let's go let's move forward then you meet this kid who is a terrible actor first of all 
Mm-hmm. And then you get some good old fashioned parental abuse, like right off the bat. Hmm. Is that mm-hmm. to me? That is, I mean that that's how people raised their kids back then. But it's just, uh, I was just, I was like, oh, okay, that's what this is going to be. So they, what is the father like? Smacks him around a little bit. And like verbally abuses him for being up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, you know, eighties. <laughs> um, it it is a weird scene, but yeah, oh, I was surprised that the the kid figured out the stuff was moving on its own so early in the movie. You know. Yeah, and the but the way they filmed it made it seem like it was like not like he hallucinated it because it like went back into the the thing which i guess as the movie goes you see that that's what it does like it Mm. becomes normal um yeah so the the detective guy david mo right (laughs) mo because Mm -hmm. people want mo Um, that let me just say that was a great horrible line whenever he explained his nickname yeah like you know someone got quite a kick out of writing that in the script yeah um he he's okay but (laughs) the whole scene when he goes to get the woman who's like the director marketing person first of all i thought it was a different woman later on in the movie when you see them again because she looked she looked nothing like the person directing that commercial. (laughs) And I was like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And I guess like, this is a little bit of trivia, but I guess there's a whole scene cut out with them at the hotel, you know, when they're like, they're going to go hook up right away. There's supposed to be like a whole scene. So you got more of that story. Yeah. As I understood it, like I'll, there were more than a few scenes cut out of this movie to like cut down the runtime. Which is weird because it was only 82 minutes anyway. Yeah, but, but get this though it was to cut down the runtime and make the pacing quicker, which I don't know about you, but this felt like a, like a slow hour and a half. Yeah. It felt like uh, two hours easily. Um, but in the pacing of the movie, it it's not like super slow, but there's like just part. I don't know. It's really hard to explain the pacing of there's, the movie because it jumps sometimes. There's lulls. I'll say that the pacing overall is it's pretty all right. But there are just a few scenes here and there that just kind of like grind everything to a halt. And then it picks up like the next scene. Yeah. So one of those scenes, I think, is when he's in the town, that like small town, which I don't even know where that town came from or why he was there. I missed a lot of the plot, I think. <laughs> but I don't know why he was in this small town. And when he meets the, the gas station guy and good old chocolate chip Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> um, that scene where the stuff comes out of that gas station guy and then like and then you just see him get up and like lick his lips and stuff and i'm like why (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I thought he was dead because uh, at some point someone says that like when the stuff gets in you and it basically eats your insides and then leaves. And so I thought he was dead and that made complete sense. And then he got up, licked his lips and walked away. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just confused. Which doesn't make sense because of what happens to chocolate chip Charlie later. Yes. Cause he definitely, first of all, that was the best scene with uh, prosthetics and animatronics and um practical effects i mean that was disgusting but <laughs> that was definitely done really well yeah there was there was a couple scenes like that where they were like punching they call them stuffies you know basically yeah. the, the food zombies and like i just remember someone getting punched and their entire face caving in <laughs> yeah. like just breaking and that was alarming because i didn't expect that but it was it was done pretty well like the the practical effects they do the trick. Yeah, the, this movie definitely does have good practical effects. Um, it reminded me a lot of Total Recall sometimes, <laughs> just the way like yeah. the faces were. Oh, well, with what happens to Charlie, that reminded me of Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this kid, I think, makes the dumbest decisions in this movie <laughs> the whole time. Um, the shaving cream. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I messaged you about that. I'm like, this kid is trying not to poison himself and instead chooses to eat shaving cream. Yeah. Makes and, total sense. And he just kept like shoveling it in his mouth. Like, wouldn't you just take like a little bite and try not to swallow and then be like, mm, this is good. I'm going to go upstairs and finish this. <laughs> yep. Or why not just even dump it like he did and then go down back downstairs and be like oh i ate it all well you see that's when that's a classic case in this movie of a smart decision turning into a dumb decision you know yeah. like he dumps it down the toilet flushes it could have gone downstairs and done the exact same thing nope gotta yeah. eat shaving cream sometimes as mo says <laughs> yeah um and then later on he is trying to hide from the 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 stuff gets on the pilot that's supposed to bring him somewhere for some reason <laughs> so he has he gets out of the plane and then he goes and finds this tanker truck and gets inside the tank i i don't think <laughs> there'd ever be a situation where i would get inside a tank tanker truck and knowing that they're going to end up putting something in there and there's no way out. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He's trying to like hide from guards or whatever. Actually, I can't even remember how he comes to be at that location, but he, he does jump in that tanker, which immediately, you know, this is going to end poorly and it almost does. Yeah. yeah. Well, just a lot of questionable decisions. Yeah. Well, uh, a lot. Um, oh, and then my favorite questionable decision, which would be the last thing that I would think of to do, is when they're in the motel room, <laughs> Mo and and the lady, uh, and the stuff gets on him, and she decides to throw. No wait, I don't sorry. Even know what? <laughs> sorry, let me interject here for a second. It gets on Mo's face. That detail's important. <laughs> 
that's true. <laughs> it's important considering what Jess is about to say. Yeah, it's on his face, and this woman takes, I guess, lamp oil. <laughs> that's the only thing that I can think of that it is. Throws it on his face with the stuff and lights it on fire. I'm gonna burn it, is what she says. That was like the only moment that truly shocked me in the movie. Like I had to <laughs> I almost had to rewind that to make sure I was understanding exactly what was happening. Yeah. It Let me burn it off. Absolutely your face. bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Um, and then the whole like ending sequence with the militia and everybody like just believing that the stuff is bad for you all of a sudden. I mean, that whole militia thing. Paul Servino, though, is my favorite. He was the best actor, but that role is just awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you say? They had 1930s. Weapons. Oh, yeah. So I noticed that half of the soldiers there had like M16s, which is, you know, that's, you know, totally 80s, 70s, 80s. And then like the other half had like 1930s Thompsons, which is just weird. You know, that'd be like, <laughs> I don't even know what that'd be like. <laughs> uh, so if there's nothing you get from anything else in this, it is a ride to watch the decisions and everything uh, made by these characters, um, which brings us to the cast. So this was directed by Larry Cohen, and I was really hoping they were related to the Cohen brothers, but they are not. <laughs> I tried. Um, he did a lot of TV, and he wrote a lot of stuff, but not a lot... Um, Mostly at 80s is when he peaked, anyway. I thought it was interesting because I found out that he actually wrote um, the, I think it's a 2000 movie called Phone Booth with Colin Farrell that I actually really enjoyed. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know. I didn't look at that that far. Um, but Phone Booth was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Everybody gives Colin Farrell a hard time. I like him. <laughs> me too. I actually really like him. And he just strikes me as a guy who's trying to do his best. Yeah. He doesn't care about accents. Yeah. Nobody does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, Michael Morty uh, plays Mo uh, or David, however you want to call him. Um, I was watching it and I'm like, man, this guy looks so familiar. And I realized that I know him from the Law and Order like, the original Law & Order from the 90s, like, when it first started. Oh, okay. So, that's the only reason why I knew him. Um, Andrea Markovici, who plays the woman, which I didn't even write her name down. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she did a lot of work in the 70s and 80s, mostly on TV. Um, I don't think she was terrible, I don't think any of the actors were like terrible except the kid. I was going to say the kid that those scenes were a little hard to, to get through, but everyone else did at least an okay job. Yeah. The kid had really pretty eyes though. It's funny. Cause I wouldn't use that word. I think I wrote down they were like hauntingly piercing because <laughs> yeah. just his eye color is <laughs> it's blue, but it's really light. And I don't know. It, it like freaked me out, but I couldn't stop staring at his eyes. 
Yeah. Uh, we have to mention his eyes because they were something else. His older brother also had like weirdly piercing. Eyes. I almost thought they were yeah. brothers for a second. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, and it, I'm just thinking about them. They were um, Garrett Morris, who plays good old Chocolate Charlie, Chocolate Chip uh, Charlie, and that <laughs> Chocolate Chip Charlie. That's it right. Makes it sound less weird. <laughs> less, less weird. Um, he was on Saturday Night Live for five years, hmm. um, from seventy-five to eighty. I knew his face, but I have no idea like what he's done or what his name was at the time. Um, he was in Coneheads, so I'm gonna say he was probably a friend of Dan Aykroyd. Mm, okay, in that group. So um, I could definitely see some sketch comedy in him, and he was, I think he was hired to be a comic relief person in the movie. He, his, his acting or his character definitely feel like he, he, I don't want to say like improv a lot, but he slipped into, to everything. You know, he just kind of leaned into the absurdity of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Paul Servino uh, plays the Colonel. And to me, he's the best actor. He's no matter what he's in, he is always 100% dedicated to the role. Um, he has 171 acting credits to his name, including Goodfellas, um, a lot of mob stuff. He's also an opera singer, like a, a trained opera singer, hmm. uh, which brings me to my favorite movie for this time of year that he's in, which is Repo, the Genetic Opera. <laughs> and I challenge anybody to watch that movie. And if you hate it, you can tell my wife that you're on her side. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he is also the father of Oscar winner uh, Mira Savino hmm. for American Beauty. I believe she won. Okay. Or, so, um, I, yeah. I did notice that Danny Aiello is in this, who I only know. I only bring him up because he was also in Hudson Hawk as Bruce Willis's best friend. I didn't even recognize him in this movie. So who was he? He was the the dude that gets eaten by his own dog because they run out of the stuff, and the dog gets hostile. Oh, okay, I know that scene now. I had completely lost that scene in my head because I was watching it and I was like, "Oh my god, is something going to happen to the dog? <laughs> I'm going to be so mad." <laughs> um. So, but nothing happens to the dog. People, you can watch it. It's okay. If anything, something uh, happens because of the dog. Yeah. Speaking of Hudson Hawk, real quick, I again was shopping yesterday, and I, after never hearing of this movie, I saw two copies of it in stores that I went to. Huh. <laughs> what are the odds? Like, oh, all right then. It's kind of um, like after I broke my arm in middle school, I was super aware of everyone's casts. Like after that point, for the next summer. <laughs> summer's always the time when people broke their arms too oh yeah it's because you're doing a bunch of dumb kid stuff and that's <laughs> that's the way it ends yep uh, so that's all I have for the cast um, which again they weren't horrible except the kid <laughs> um, and the kid actually didn't really do anything else he was in uh, who's the boss for a little bit but after that he like one or two things maybe but not a lot of acting um so on to trivia how many oscars did this one 
this movie has no awards at all that I could find, good or bad. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, I guess that's okay. But, <laughs> I mean, I, it came out in the 80s. There was a lot of special effects stuff in that time. And this is definitely a B movie. So it probably wasn't on the radar for a lot of people back then. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Plus, coming out in 85, that's got to be around the same time as like really big movies like Back to the Future and stuff like that. Yeah, I have a little thing oh, on that perfect. later. <laughs> what was your initial impression? Um, Glad I watched it, but that's about <laughs> it. um if i had never seen this i don't think i would be missing out on anything um but i am glad that i got to see it just because it seems to be a pretty big cult movie out there for um horror fans so i don't know a lot of horror stuff so every time i get to see something weird like that it, it reminded me a lot of the blob and they live actually yeah yeah actually when our first episode dropped um aaron s <laughs> he was very quick to recommend this movie because it has like similar uh, similar overtones as they live yeah he has been waiting for quite a while Months. for us yeah for us to get to this one um we did the first 10 that were ours on our list and then we had people write in and he was one of yeah one of the first people to send something in and he's been waiting literally months for <laughs> but it today's the day today dreams come true <laughs> yeah and i'm sorry aaron if uh i'm not as excited <laughs> <laughs> What was your initial impression? It, well, I I could tell that this was an 80s movie right off the bat. Um, <laughs> it just, especially with the kid, like some, some of the acting or the dialogue is either weird or is delivered very weirdly. You know, like Moe's... He's, it seems like he's got a very like monotone performance and I'd say half the time that's actually kind of funny as it's it's supposed to come off as he's he does some pretty outlandish things but keeps like a, a very calm tone about him but yeah it's it's uh it was one of those movies I wasn't sure I was gonna like right off the bat yeah um I agree that's a fair statement um what might have helped was the 30 minutes of deleted scenes that got cut like right before the film was released, which included baby stuff and walking stuff. <laughs> is, is there anything that elaborates on what that is exactly? There is oh. not. There was just, uh, he, again, probably to save time, he said that there was just, before it was released, he cut out these scenes. So this was all stuff that had been filmed and like part of it. And 
I really want to know what baby stuff was. Oh, me too. <laughs> like, um, I guess the production company or the studio that was helping make this movie wanted a straight up horror movie. And in retrospect, the stuff had more comedic and satirical aspects to it than what the executives might have been expecting. So I guess um, the, even though they kept a lot of comedy in there, some things were reshot or at least recut in a way that put more emphasis on the horror elements to it. And I guess Larry Cohen said that... Um, it was hard to cut literally anything out of it because he had kind of more of like a slow burn vision for the movie. And it kind of got turned into something that he didn't really want it to get turned into. Yeah, I can see that. It did feel like it was going in a lot of different directions for me. Um, it felt like it wanted to be more like the blob which is a straight like horror movie mm -hmm. um and then a lot of comedy comes out of it yeah um, i think the the quote he had was um yeah they they wanted more of a quote-unquote balls out monster movie and he said i knew before the film even hit before the film even hit theaters the stuff would appeal to a different audience than the one we were trying to get yeah, I think that's part of why it has such a cult following too. I think any movie that ends up being a bomb or not what it was intended to be ends up becoming getting cult status in the underground with people. Horror movie fans, like legit people that collect horror movies and are part of the horror community know so much about all these like random B movies and like all the things behind them and everything and it's amazing like when you get up talking and stuff or if you just scroll through Twitter the horror stuff on <laughs> Twitter it's nuts like there's so much cult stuff out there that they are in love with <laughs> it, it seems like you said people don't set out to make bad movies it's just sometimes they don't end up doing very well for one reason or another but there's always always seems to be some sort of core fan group that attaches to it. And next thing you know, it's called classic. Listen, if Geely <laughs> can have a core fan group, then anything can, okay? I was about to bring up Geely. Which <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is my new benchmark. Yeah, oh yeah. No, that'll never leave my <laughs> mind. Um, according to audio commentary on the 2000 Anchor Bay D DVD, um, which is not, I don't know if that's the one that I have, but I did buy the DVD for this and I'm half tempted to ship it to you just so you can see the previews <laughs> for the other movies that are on this because they are ridiculous. I remember you messaging me and saying that <laughs> that was a, that was a gem on that DVD. Oh, man, it is crazy. So if you get a chance to watch any DVDs of it and it has previews beforehand, just just watch it because you will not be disappointed. Um, the scene in the motel where the stuff comes out of the mattress and, the, and everything, that whole weird scene, 
um, and attacks the man on the wall in the ceiling was shot in a room that could turn upside down, um, which they use in a lot of different types of movies. Um, but this allows the stuff to move up and down the wall. This, however, was the exact same room used in A Nightmare on Elm Street filmed a year earlier when Johnny Depp's character, Glenn, is sucked into the bed and his blood is regurgitated back out onto the ceiling. That's so cool. I love learning facts like that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. Because to have a connection to one of the best horror series ever, that's pretty oh, fun. Yeah. And uh, also, it's got a call out to one of the most regarded sci-fi um, universes created in uh, literature when uh, Mo tells Chocolate Chip Charlie to contact um, FBI agent Frank Herbert, who was the American science fiction writer best known for the novel Dune and its five sequels. That's cool. Which, unfortunately, the 2020 film is um, that's going to be postponed being uh, released because, you know, pandemic makes me sad. Yeah, I never saw any of the um, I never read the books or saw the old dunes, um, but I heard they were pretty good. There's a I only saw most of the sci-fi channel this should tell you something sci-fi channel 2000 yeah. miniseries um on dune and it's one of those things where it's it's serviceable but it is not a movie and it does not have a budget of a movie right i want to i almost want to think like the original dunes were in a like the same type of genre as the planet of the apes almost just like that type of film but i don't know i haven't seen either of them but that's what i think of when i hear about the movies dune i think of planet of the apes for some reason <laughs> i don't know why this happens it's from all all the apes in the desert of dune it's probably what it is <laughs> um larry cohen was quote also quoted as saying my main inspiration was the consumerism and the corporate greed found in our country and damage, the damaging products that were being sold. I was constantly reading in the newspapers about various goods and materials being recalled because they were harming people. For example, you had foods being pulled off the market because they were hazardous to people's health. So that is accurate. I think they still Oh, do that. that's a hundred percent still being done, but I don't really hear too much of that, you know, at this point. But I know that the eighties was kind of the like economic boom in the eighties was kind of the wild west and making money where it's like essentially if you don't get caught doing something wrong, then you're in the clear. Yeah, there were tons of stuff in the eighties that do not exist anymore either. For various reasons, but even like with medications, like um, in I can't remember if it was the 60s or 70s, but in Britain, they had that um, thalidomide, which was supposed to help with morning sickness for pregnant women. And they it ended up giving like birth defects to kids. Um, foods were just like terrible there was no i feel like the fda was like 
whatever just like they are in this movie <laughs> yeah it's i definitely feel the this is like the same type of culture that produced they live you know just people railing against yes. consumerism absolutely um i'm on give your next step because i found a website that has like 50 things that 50 classic foods that are not um available anymore so okay <laughs> i'm gonna look to see if any of them were part of like health hazards while you give your next uh clue, uh clue yeah <laughs> well, you give me your next the clue to the mystery of uh, what went into making this movie um according to cohen yeah. um in some scenes in which the stuff chases characters uh a lot of foam was made blended with fish bones and it stank so much that as soon as the shots were done actors ran to a river in order to bathe and get the stench off them <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh, that sounds el terrible. Um, but in the audio commentary on the 2000 uh, DVD release, it says that some substance props or stand-ins for the real stuff that was used in the movie included lots of shots of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, yogurt, and for one scene involving an enormous avalanche effect of uh, the stuff crashing through a wall it was uh, fire extinguisher foam i thought it looked <laughs> familiar i want i was like i wonder as i was watching i was like i wonder how they filmed this or what they used to film it um so that was i, I kind of liked that um so the only thing i could find was there were these hershey bites they were like donut bites that um, instead of having a chocolate bar, they were just like filled donuts and they took them off the shelf because they were uh, a choking hazard, apparently, hmm. but they were allowed to go on for a while. Um, then there was sugar free gummy bears from uh, Haribo. Oh, no. They replaced. <laughs> they replaced the sugar in the product with the artificial sweetener malitol and it wasn't long before the public uh, found that that sweetener acted as a laxative <laughs> and gave everyone who consumed the candy extreme gastrointestinal distress yeah I heard a lot of people poop themselves on those yeah it was it, it was like um Later on, when they had, what did they put it? There was something in the baked, in Lay's baked chips that caused, um, this is going to be gross, but caused anal leakage. That was like the same thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I heard it. I guess that's probably a little more recent, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't the, know if stuff just gets pushed, uh, like, right out of R&D and just gets, like rubber stamped and out to the public but it seems like i i feel like for a while anyway more hazardous stuff kind of got through than didn't yeah yeah the moral of the story is don't eat sugar-free yeah and things. don't eat bubbling goo that comes up <laughs> out of the ground <laughs> yeah i think it's so funny that in the movie they're talking about well we don't know how it's made <laughs> we're just, like 
It's fine. It tastes good. <laughs> and that's that's on brand with the hyper marketing of that product in the movie. You know, it's like they're not really concerned with mm -hmm. what it is, but it tastes great. And they're trying to sell it as like dietary supplements and like dessert stuff and basically whatever you want it as. Yeah. Um, Garrett Morris, who, again, plays Chocolate Chip Charlie. Uh, was asked about this film when he participated in AV Club's Random Roles interview series. He said the production was crazy, and when the interviewer noted Larry Cohen's history as a character and asked Morris what he was like, Morris said, I was taught growing up, if you don't have something nice to say about someone, don't say anything at all, with no further comment hmm. about Cohen. So, do you think Cohen was a bad director like the Mario Brothers directors or just that stuff got out of hand for him that I don't know I really don't know <laughs> it could have it could have gotten out of hand it'd be <laughs> easy for something to get out of hand filming this movie um, I'm not sure I've ever heard <laughs> such bad things about directors other than Super Mario Brothers like that seems to be the benchmark of bad direction in my book yeah, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, with, I found a quote. Um, Cohen was saying that with the stuff, he said he told how cigarettes and alcohol were damaging, but took it to an extreme, um, as he said in a 2010 interview with Horror Society, and went on to elaborate that in World War II, cigarette companies gave soldiers free cigarettes and apparently addicted a bunch of you know the young generation of men which would go on to kill more people um, due to cancer than the war did and he said that corporations don't really care who they kill they just want to make a buck and that's the stuff and i i thought that was pretty interesting and noticed um oh, there's some point when mo is walking down the street with the with nicole that's her name nicole and uh, <laughs> they're walking on the street and there's like a subway thing behind them and there's uh, like a hole in the crowd almost next to them. There's like a space where you can clearly see like a camel cigarettes ad. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it felt like, you know, more marketing of things that are damaging to your health. I do remember seeing that and the, what I thought during that was, wow, you don't see cigarette <laughs> ads like that anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, it's, and it's completely true. I was actually watching, I, you know, I've been buying a lot of VHSs lately and I was watching a 100 greatest football follies. So like silly football things that happened and they were showing stadiums, obviously from like all of the sixties up until like the eighties when this or early nineties, when this was released and the stadiums have billboards of tobacco and alcohol <laughs> everywhere now alcohol is still like around everybody's got labat or bud or whatever in their same so which alcohol can cause just as much issues as smoking so why are all the cigarette ads pulled from everywhere and you don't see those anymore that's that's a good point i think uh i think it has right? something to do with Oh God! So I I had a marketing major back when I was going through college, and I remember them specifically talking about cigarettes, because uh, 
you know a lot of old commercials and stuff would suggest with you know people that weren't even doctors but dressed up as doctors like paid actors saying like oh these are the doctor's choice cigarettes you know and it's just it's ridiculous to watch but i think it had something to do with the fact that if you smoked a certain frequency you would get addicted to nicotine really quickly and that made it for some reason like more hypothetically dangerous than alcohol because yeah gotcha Uh, I've always been curious about that. Like, cigarettes get such a... Like, the cigarettes we have now are completely different from what the cigarettes were back in, like, the early... Like, late (laughs) 1800s, early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So. But, yeah, I always... I find that fascinating when you see old cigarette ads and everything. And I laugh at those doctor ones. You know, four out of five doctors recommend camels. <laughs> that was an interesting aspect of the first season of Mad Men, too. Because one of their clients is Lucky Strike. And they're trying to, like, sidestep the negative health claims and make you look at what's good about the cigarettes. Like, the flavor and how smooth it is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that movie? I love Thank that movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. That is a great movie. And anybody that likes that type of stuff, like seriously, go watch Thank You for Smoking. Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, I actually think that's probably the best role I've ever seen him in. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, So this movie only had a budget of $1.7 million. I feel like I could make my movie for less. (laughs) So again... I'm going to put it out there less than 1.7 million and I can make it better than this movie. <laughs> um, I can't find any information on how much it made back, but I can tell you it probably didn't make a lot because what came out the week before was the Goonies and then what Cocoon came out the week <laughs> after. So... It was like right in the middle of the 80s were big. Like there are so many horror and sci-fi things in the 80s. And this was just like smack in the middle of two really big movies. Wow. That's I always like finding out what uh, like in order, what appeared like before and after um, what was released rather. Because sometimes these movies are just sandwiched in, in between like two giants and it's kind of that does paint more of a picture of why some movies get kind of looked over and then find cult status later mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and the international release i think this was only sent to i can't remember if it was switzerland or sweden or somewhere else in Europe, but it was only sent on one reel and played in one theater. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was not... It did not have a good theatrical release. So, people probably found this when they went to the video store and were looking at the movies on the shelf and were like, wow, look at that cover. I'm gonna check this out. Is this the blob too? Like that's I for think an eighties horror thinking. movie. I think it does have a pretty good cover. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, um, cover art back in the day was everything. Oh yeah. 
even uh, even when you look at like golden age Hollywood stuff, the classic cover art like sold movies back then. There was no other way to sell movies, really. Yeah, I think the the nineties, so. specifically with like the internet, that's when people could actually go watch a trailer or rewatch a trailer from a earlier release movie. So yeah, it's if mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a good reason why so much money is put into cover art. Yeah. Um, I will be posting uh to a link to um, some behind-the-scenes stuff that shows two YouTube videos. Um, I couldn't find a lot of other behind-the-scenes stuff, but these videos were pretty cool. So I'll have those in the in the show notes on the link. So if you want to check those out, you can. They're, uh, they talk about the use of like practical effects. And, uh, and as like everyone that. knows, you and I are a sucker for practical effects. We are. Yeah. They just make the movie. It just like brings it home. And um, I guess with this one, though, who? Let me see who he hired. Um, there was he hired a. Let me see if I can find who it was. Um, yeah. Let me click back. Because I think Larry Cohen hired a practical effects group and it ended up only being like $16,000 that he put into it, but he didn't like it. Yeah, right here. Um, He hired Effects Associated to do the special effects, um, but he was unhappy with several shots and only paid half of what was agreed on, which was only (laughs) $8,000. So... It only had a $16,000 budget for the effects and they only got paid eight and then effects associated then filed a class action lawsuit <laughs> against Understandable. So, yeah, but I thought that was kind of cool. That was kind of funny. Um, that's, that's all, all I, I have. have. All yeah, right. I wow, wasn't able to more? pull up as much as I thought I'd be able to on this movie. Yeah, me neither. Um, that's why I'm going to put those YouTube videos in there. Um, so people can get a little bit extra stuff for it. But yeah, there's not a ton that we could find. Um, but it's really fun it really talking is. about this movie. Because it's just ridiculous. So... Uh, um, let's call it what it is. It is a B movie in its truest form, I think. Um, they, I already said, like they gave, it gives me vibes of the Blob and they live, um, with the marketing, the mass brainwashing. Um, and I knew this wasn't, I knew this wasn't going to be a great movie. I'm sorry, Aaron. I knew it wasn't going to win any awards with me. Um, but I was mostly entertained by the characters the choices that they were making, the over the topness of a lot of things. Um, and like I said, I, I really think I missed some important plot points or maybe they're missing on purpose. And that's why I miss them. Um, but I'm only going to give this one thumb down 
because it definitely <laughs> wasn't as bad as Geely. So I could never give it two thumbs down. And I did have some, uh, it did have a lot of entertainment value for me, but I can't put it in the same ranks as some other movies that I've given like one thumb up to like they live. Like I preferred they live over this. One. That's fair. That's fair. As, as far as my assessment goes, um, you're definitely, definitely <laughs> of the same mind as I am. Um, is it, it was entertaining. <laughs> I, I'm very happy that I've watched the movie and seen it because it's actually, it gives me the same sort of feeling as Buckaroo Banzai did where as I was watching it, I was like, I don't think this movie's really for me, but I love talking about it. You know, like this has actually been really fun and just comparing our two like experiences. I got a big kick out of that. Um, But again, you know, I wasn't really too impressed with it i guess and in as far as like what i look to get out of movies it just felt like it wasn't really for me but that being said i would only give it one thumb down because i know aaron likes it quite a bit and i know it does have a cult following it's i wouldn't say it's a bad movie i just know it's not for me Yeah, it kind of it like you would say it like yeah. fell flat for you. Yeah. Whereas other people, like I said, like the horror horror people from Twitter, um, really like this movie, which is what I have for viewer mail. Actually, actually, um, we didn't get any emails or anything, but I did put this question out to the horror community on Twitter to ask what they thought about it, and I got back a couple of responses. Um, Tom, who goes by Tommy X Tommy Lee X, I think on Twitter. Um, if you follow us, you can get to him because he's on. We follow um, him. He is a huge movie fan of horror. He collects stuff. He does a lot of gaming. He's a really cool dude. Um, and he wrote the stuff is fun. It's definitely a staple in the '80s B horror movie films, which I agree with. Um, and then Sean from Twitter wrote great film that really puts the commercialism of the decade on display. The way the stuff is marketed, even though it's controlling people definitely shows how companies will market products. They know are unsafe at times for the almighty dollar. Love it. I recently revisited it and the film still really holds up. Plus films with a mind control group mentality behind them really hit the spot for me if you use mass hysteria as a plot (laughs) device then you have my money which kind of ties into what you were saying like that's not up your alley but it's up it can be up someone else's alley exactly so um i think dedicated horror movie fans and dedicated to the genre would like this movie and I think it would offer a lot to them. But for you and I, which we both agree, like horror movies aren't in our top I, genre, well, here's the right? thing. I was going to say something of like growing up. I did not watch a lot of horror movies and it's only been within the past like five years that I've been kind of realizing that there are a lot of them I really like out there. So as a genre, I would say I'm definitely warming up to it, and I like a lot of movies that fall into that genre, but it's 
I'm not like a diehard fan of everything horror. And if you are that type of person, you're definitely going to like this movie then. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So it's not terrible. Give it a shot. See what you think. Pretty, pretty solid B movie, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that concluded our first week of our horror Halloween spooky stuff. So now I have all the uh, the other ones left, which are Freddy vs. Jason, Idle Hands, Final Destination, Casper, Cockneys vs. Zombies, and Beetlejuice. And I'm going to say I really hmm. want Freddy vs. Jason. Um, I'm going to spin the wheel. I'm going to see what happens because... There's nothing like a little Freddy. <laughs> That's true. Jason. There is nothing like that. But of course, it lands on the one movie I really didn't want to watch because it scares me. And that's <laughs> Final Destination. <laughs> so, uh, next week for our horror Halloween spooky time, we will be watching Final Destination. And then, hang on, I have, I just checked the emails, and we have an email. So, what do you, have you seen time Final ago on TV. Oh, you're in for a, <laughs> a movie. No, no. You're not flying I, I mean, anywhere I, I soon, remember are you? liking the movie, or at least what I saw of it on TV, so I'm excited to see if it holds up. Um, uh, I watched it when it came out, and then I watched it again. Oh no, that was Scream, which I'm actually surprised nobody hmm. suggested Scream. But okay, so <laughs> my wife emailed again to add one for the Halloween list, um, which we still have one more week, and then if obviously if we don't get it on there, it's going to go on the regular list anyway. Um, but her Halloween movie pick is 1986 Children's Nightmare Fuel, The Labyrinth. Is that um, with David Bowie? Have you ever seen The Labyrinth? Oh, yeah. We, wow, is. I actually watched this recently. Like, w- Definitely within 2020, I watched this for the first time. Um, I've never seen it, so that's probably <laughs> why she requested it. <laughs> She's been making me see it. Um, so we'll put that on the list for next time uh next week and next week we will be watching final destination which i remember what year that came out (laughs) oh 20 years now yeah it definitely uh, definitely scares me so all right i'll get through it though <laughs> if you don't have anything okay, else, go ahead well, and take us thanks out. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Next week, we're going to check out the 2000 film Final Destination. Pick for us by Jess's wife. Remember, you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast at youpickwewatch at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for some you know unique little challenges, uh, contests, or just bonus content. I just posted a review of the 2010 movie Rubber about a killer tire, and I was surprised with what I saw. 
Um, if you like what, <laughs> thank you. That was a good review. <laughs> Try not way. to make it too long, but it really, <laughs> that's a unique movie. Holy crap. <laughs> um yeah if you like what you hear give us a quick five-star review it really does help the podcast i think we've got three reviews total which or i mean three yeah three reviews ratings ratings three ratings so far which is that's not nothing that's actually really big and thank you everyone for that um yeah if you give us a review i will give you a personal thank you on the podcast i'm regan you can find me on facebook and instagram at author regan brooks And I'm Jess. You can find me on Twitter at RadmanMal. And Final Destination was actually requested by Gorilla, um, which I don't have their real name. That was just their email oh. that they sent in. They sent in a bunch of them. Um, <laughs> well, that's a cool name yeah, to go sorry. by. My bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, thank you, Gorilla, for that. And we will uh, be watching it. And uh, we'll see everybody next week and get your final destination <laughs> don't mind on. the plane tickets <laughs> <laughs>